welcome to the Thursdays, yes, the Thursday, September 3rd edition of the TV on Basketball podcast with your host, TV. We are back at it again. It's a Thursday, but we're still doing the podcast. I have some errands to do on Friday. I have some plans. So I'm doing this a day early so I can still get the two days a week. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about NBA basketball. And with second round games coming from now on, it's going to get even more tense in the first round series because especially in the West, Mando series were great, but now it's going to get even more intense. So cannot wait for more basketball, and I can't wait to talk about basketball right here, right now. But before we get into the topics, I obviously have to do my plugging. Please follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff for updates on the podcast and for other content. And if you're watching this on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. We are almost at 10 subscribers, so thank you guys for the support. If you are listening to this on the good old podcast um, platforms, Podbean, remember to follow, like, share, all that good stuff. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, subscribe, so you won't miss an episode. But remember, we're also on Anchor, and we're also on Spotify. So, yeah, we have lots of platforms to catch this podcast on, so you guys have no excuse to not check it out. But, yeah, thank you guys for all the support. We have just reached 600 followers, like I said in the last episode. Thank you, um, thank you guys for all the support, and hopefully even through like, this um, upcoming school year, I'm going to still be able to post some content for you guys. So, yeah, excited to talk more basketball. As Like I said, as the game's getting more intense, the more I get to speak on this. So, yeah, there's that, and I think that's everything. So let's get right into the podcast. The first um, thing I'm going to talk about is before I get to preview the Western Conference second on series, I'm going to start with reviewing some of the second round series that are happening in the East. And we're going to start off with, oh boy, my Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, in which at this moment, the Celtics are 2-0 up against the Raptors, and Game 3 is tonight at 6.30. Celtics won Game 1 quite comfortably, 112-94. As as I said in my daily recap, the Raptors didn't even look like they had a chance. The The Celtics went for the throat early, and they really didn't let go. Raptors had maybe mini runs at, at the very most, but at the same time, the Celtics just completely shut it down. They win 112-94. And then the last game, which happened on Tuesday, 102-99, the Boston Celtics. A rough game, rough game. The Raptors had an eight-point lead going into the fourth, and freaking Marcus Smart turned into freaking Ray Allen, hitting 16 points in the in the fourth quarter, including five threes, one being an N1 three-pointer. It, it, it was hard to watch. But yeah, the Raptors are down 2-0 in the series. As a Raptors fan, I'm used to seeing this. Last year, Eastern Conference Finals, the Raptors were 0-2 down against the Bucks. They were completely um, doubted, saying, oh, the series is over. Um, Kawhi doesn't have enough to do it, but we were able to come back. Difference here, we have no Kawhi. And the Raptors have just not looked very good. Um, Fred Van Vliet has struggled so far in this um, in this playoff series. Pascal Siakam, like he has throughout the entire bubble, has just not looked comfortable. Um, he's had like a 26-point game um, against the Brooklyn Nets, and I think there was one decent game that he had during the seeding games. But he just hasn't looked comfortable, and he's the biggest um, talking point in terms of the Toronto Raptors not doing well because he got that um, max extension last summer. He was um, told, that, um, he, after coming off the most improved player, that this guy was going to be next in terms of um, – just being the next um, star for the Raptors. And it looked good. I mean, like, 
there was some talks at the beginning of the season that that, that um, is it possible for Pascal Siakam to go back to back most improved? But now at this point, I mean, just looking at his offense, it looks rushed. He doesn't have his jump shot going, and I mean his defense is still there, which I like. I mean he still is doing well in the defensive end, but we need that guy to step up. And compared to the Celtics, I mean you have Jason Tatum going for 34 points in this game. Not as good the last game, but they still were just getting um, contributions from all over the shop. I mean, Marcus Smart, I think, had like 20-something points in game one. And game two, he killed us from three in the fourth quarter. Kemba Walker has been pretty consistent. And Jalen Brown has been the worst player out of those four. And they still don't have Gordon Hayward. And we just could, we just can't stop the constant attack of the the other guys. I mean, Tatum, you know what, no matter how you want to like phrase it, like he's getting all the foul calls and stuff. It doesn't take away the fact that the Raptors are just not playing to their capabilities. And what's uh, and what's making this worse is, like, I love Mick Nurse and all that, but after game two, that like, he was blaming a lot of the stuff on the refs. You know, they're, they're favoring the calls to the Celtics. They said He said that he the refs were taking care of Jason Tatum. And sure, you can look at it from those angles, but at the same time, they're just not playing well. And as a Raptor fan, I get to making us look bad and – I'm just not down for those type of excuses. The Raptors just haven't been that team so far. And you can't really blame Kyle Lowry as well. I mean, he's coming off of injury. He's had, like, okay games. I mean, he was the leading scorer in game one um, with 17 points. But in game two, I mean, he still struggled from the field. But you got to get those other guys stepping up. Fred Van Vliet was our best player in round one. He's kind of disappearing in round two. Hopefully, um this um, O2 thing will bring back memories from the Bucks last year and he can step up. But at the same time, I mean, Pascal Siakam, I mean, I I had conversations with people saying, like, do you regret having um, Siakam have the max contract and all that? And I'm like, no. I mean, we knew that there were going to be some growing pains with Pascal Siakam. We've went through those growing pains in the past. He, like, good thing is he actually like, has some ability now because, like, before he was a ball of energy that didn't know when to stop. He's added some composure, but he needs to add more because he is still, like, he gets irritated and he doesn't get the calls. And he's just, like, and people are making fun of him on Twitter. I mean, he's, he has this one spin move, which is spin. And it's not going to work all the time. And I think Siakam knows that. And Nick Nurse just has to get these guys ready for game three because, like I said, every like every episode, everyone loves that stat that the, the teams are 0-3. They haven't won any um, playoff series. So it's going to be tough, but I think the, this is a definitely must win for the Raptors going into game three and for the Celtics. I mean, all praise to them. I mean, they're just getting like good contributions from everywhere. And what's been happening here is just exactly what I feared. If the Raptors keep it close, the Boston Celtics are going to win the game. I mean, I, I said my, my recap earlier, we're not going to get another 20 point game from Ananobi. I don't think. And with Tatum, like going out for 34, Jalen Brown, I mean, 16 points is still 16 points. And Kemba Walker, I mean, having 11 out of the 17 in the fourth quarter as well, they're just going to kill us if it's like if they keep the game close. They're, they have shot makers that can cre- create shots for themselves and for others. And for the Raptors, like, we don't have anyone on the Tatum level. We don't have anyone on the Walker level. Heck, we don't even have anyone on the Brown level. So the Raptors are going to have to, like, keep focus for next game. I don't I, – I still believe that the Raptors still have a chance in this series, but – it's looking very grim for us after then. So let's see if the Celtics can keep it up tonight. But, yeah, it's looking rough for Raptor fans for sure. And then we go on to the next Eastern Conference playoff series. And just like the Raptors, 
the favorite, um, the number one seed in the East is down 0-2 to the number four seed in Miami Heat. Game one, the um, Heat won against the Milwaukee Bucks 115-104 on just a phenomenal fourth quarter from Jimmy Butler. This guy had 40 points on the game. Like, I've seen this game, you got to think, like, if you're the 76ers, why? <laughs> just why did you let this guy go? This guy could be the heart and soul of a team, and that's what he is to, to the Miami Heat at this point. And he played, like, phenomenal in that game. And it looked like he just couldn't miss anything in that fourth quarter. Game two, I mean, it was just a good, well-rounded effort. I mean, Jimmy Butter didn't have 40. He had 13 in this game. But it was just everyone else chipping in. Crowder with the 16. 15-9 from Adebayo before he fouled out. 23 from Dragic, who has been the most underrated player in this playoffs. Coming into the starting lineup in place of um, Kendrick Nunn, who has started over 50 games for this team. And he is playing like freaking like I, I shout out to No Dogs, one of my favorite basketball podcasts out there. But he's playing like FIBA Dragic. I mean, you see Dragic play for Slovenia in the in FIBA and like the Olympics, and you're like, damn, this guy needs to get more minutes, needs to do it. But then when he gets to the NBA, I mean, he just doesn't like translate consistently. This he's been doing this since round one, and he just continues to be excellent in, in the playoffs. And along with him, I mean, like I said, all the guys in their starting five had over 13 points. Duncan Robinson with 13 as well. And then off the bench, Tyler Hero, rookie in a playoff series, scoring 17 points, five rebounds, four assists. And Kelly Olenek chipping in 11 as well. I mean, that was just a good all-around effort. And they're making things extremely uncomfortable for the books because Giannis is not getting, like, um, all the touches he um, he needs. Middleton is, like, kind of on and off. He I mean, he had a decent game yesterday. But it's nothing too game breaking. Um, the the Bucks I just have no answer for the Heat's depth and like just the multiple scoring options that they have. And that has to do a lot of just they just haven't been good in this bubble. That's plain and simple. And they and I was thinking like even before the series, you know I I chose the Bucks. And I was just thinking like the number one seed has to come out at some point, right? And they still haven't. And it's and it's making me doubt even more like if it goes down to 3 again, that's sad again. No one has done it. No one has done it. And the Bucks are just not convincing enough. And one more thing about the Bucks, man. Sure, I mean, Budenholzer loves running his long rotations. I can't, I can't really, like, speak too much on that because the Heat are doing it too. But is, wouldn't it be a bad idea to just, you know, keep your starters in a bit longer? Because these guys played 10 players. Devin Chandler had eight minutes in this game. Corver had... Six, Connaughton had, I'm sorry, had 10 minutes. Um, Connaughton had um, 12. What did you just want? Why doesn't Budenholzer want to play these guys like more than 40 minutes? I know this is like a strategy that works well in the regular season, especially because if you're a deep team. But right now, you need to have your best players on the court. And sure, like, you know, Giannis still had a Giannis type line, 29-14-3. You need to have these guys out more and just kind of like, let them do their thing. Let them do their thing. Even though if it's like going into the 40 minutes, you need to have the best players on the court in the playoffs. And right now, like he's throwing out these type of um, lineups and stuff like that. And it's just like, honestly not working. And I think this is like, this puts a lot of question into Budenholzer as a coach. I mean, he has one coach of the year with two different teams, the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. But what has the playoff success come from any of them? Nothing. The Hawks lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, got swept. Here, he comes to the books, it's not looking good. They lost 4-2 last year after being up 2-0. And here, they're 0-2 in the second round. Like, 
this has to put Bud's qu- um, coaching into question. And, I mean, it, maybe he's just not a playoff coach. His stuff works in the regular season, but he's still playing just like all these guys at random minutes. Like, if you just look at game one, for, for some reason, you're giving Frank Mason two minutes in the game. Like, why are you going that deep into your bench when you want your best players on the court? I don't understand it. I mean, rotation should shorten the playoffs, and it's just the Bucks haven't done that. And they're honestly, like, paying the consequences for it because the the Heat, they have they want to have their best guys in at all times. Like I said, it hasn't been like that in this um, in game two. But they, they're they playing them, like, a good amount of minutes. I mean, Jake Crowder's getting 36, and Butler has 36. Jobs is getting over 34. You need to have – I mean, even with the Heat, like, put down um, – get them even more in and stuff like that. So there's a lot of questions about this Milwaukee Bucks team. And if they go down here, there's going to be a lot of question marks. It's like, is Middleton good enough? Is Boone Holzer the right coach for this team? I don't know. But we're going to have to see where this goes from here because it's it's looking pretty rough for these Milwaukee Bucks. And it's good for the Heat. I mean, I will honestly, out of this whole thing, like they're one of my most um, fun, team to, fun teams to watch. Seeing Jimmy Butler get into it, Drogic playing the way he's playing. It's been great, and right now, if I can say for these two um, series in the East, the better team is winning, plain and simple. Now we go on to the West Series, because we finally got those game certain results in. The Denver Nuggets winning the 80-78 game over the Utah Jazz, and last night we had the Houston Rockets um, being the Thunder 104-102. Very hard-fought games um, throughout um, the Game 7, but... One team was able to edge it out, and it was the Nuggets and Rockets. But now we're going to give my predictions on this series that is upcoming for them. And we're going to start with the Denver Nuggets, who did win against the, um, the Utah Jazz in a very, very tough game. Now they have to face the LA Clippers. And I'm kind of torn on the series. Not for who's going to win, but how many games it's going to take. Because I talked about how um, the Clippers defense is going to be a problem for Duka Doncic game one, for in series one. Oh, sorry, round one, but that wasn't really the case. I mean, Doncic, yeah, he he had like, he had like a very very good playoff round, and now they're going up against Jamal Murray, who is not quite Luka Doncic, but he's still a very good player. Now, do I think that the um, Clippers are gonna you know let Murray do his thing? I don't think so. And honestly, I think that this is gonna, might be an easier matchup than the um, Mavericks. Maybe, maybe not. I'm still kind of on the fence because. Um, the Clippers don't have an answer for Nikola Jokic. I mean, Zubac is going to be there, but is he going to like play consistent defense, or is he just going to get destroyed by Jokic? Because Jokic did good in that series, and he was going up against Rudy Gobert, one of the best defensive centers in the league. Now you're going against Ivica Zubac, and maybe, you know, the Clippers are like, we'll take those. You guys keep hitting your twos all day long. We're going to defend a three and, like, prevent Murray from doing his thing. Don't let Michael Porter do his thing. And we're just going to keep scoring because Kawhi Leonard has been one of the best, like, probably the best player in the playoffs so far in terms of just consistent level of play. I mean, in the five games, like his lowest scoring total was 29, which is pretty crazy. And now they're going up against a Nuggets team who has proven to be a pretty bad defense. I mean, the last two games or three games probably, they played a lot better. But at the same time, they're not a great defense. And, I mean, the Clippers still kind of had those question marks. I mean, we know Kawhi's going to show up, but what's going to happen with Patrick Beverly? Is he going to be in and out of the lineup? Is Paul George going to show up? Is Morris going to start stuff again? Is um, Williams is going to be okay? 
there's still some question marks. And with the Denver Nuggets, I mean, they have something going on with Jamal Murray, and I think they're going to go to Nikola Jokic a lot in this series. And I think it's like for offense, they can go tick for tack, really. I mean, maybe Michael Porter Jr. can step up here. I mean, it's going to be tough because he can't really play defense. But with Gary Harris back and stuff like that, I think it's going to, you know, be kind of a competitive series. I don't know if it's going to be as competitive as the Dallas Mavericks. It's, it's kind of iffy. But in the series, I'm going to give the Clippers in, I'll say six. I'll say six. I'll give the Nuggets two games. Um, Jamal Murray has very much emerged in this playoffs. It's going to be a lot difficult um, going up against, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But I think that Nikola Jokic is probably going to be the key player for the Nuggets in this series. And he's going to have to play a lot of, like, big minutes and, like, give that effort on both ends because he's going to have that matchup against um, Zubac all day, every day. I, w- I wouldn't ex- um, be surprised if he was going, like, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists or something like that. This is the type of series to do it in. But can the other guys, like, find ways to get open, find ways to score? We'll have to wait and see. And it's going to be a tough It's going to be a very, very entertaining series, especially with these two good offenses. The only problem is who's going to guard Kawhi for the Nuggets? Who's going to guard Paul George? It's going to be tough. I mean, Jeremy Grant can only do so much. And I think Gary Harris is going to be kind of too small for um, either of those two guys. I mean, he's probably going to guard Lou Williams for most of the game anyway. So I definitely do have the Clippers winning the series. Probably quite comfortably. There could be some blowouts. Um, and Jamal Murray might struggle a lot because of the amount of um, great wing defenders the Clippers have. And I don't want to overthink these things. I mean, it's kind of destined that we're going to have both LA teams in the in the Western Conference Finals. It felt like that since day one, and it very much looks like it right now. So, yeah, I have the Clippers winning in six. Um, let, you, let me know what you think down in the comments. Um, down in my Instagram post, who do you think is going to win this series? Now we're going to move on to the next series, and we have the LA Lakers taking on the Houston Rockets. And in this game, I think it's going to be a lot more intense. It's going to be a lot more entertaining due to the fact that the Lakers are facing a team very unconventional in the Houston Rockets where they don't run the prototypical center, you know, they don't have the big men, and they're going to keep running and running and running down your throats. And for, you know, when you look at like this, this, the two-duel matchup, you have Anthony Davis and and LeBron versus um, Westbrook and Harden. If you really do think about it, who on the Lakers is going to guard James Harden? Who's going to guard Russell Westbrook? Like, Lou Dort gave Harden problems, big problems, especially Game 7 when he held Harden to 17 points on 15 shots. Who on the Lakers could do that? I mean... Hard. I mean, Bradley would have been a nice little addition there um, if he was in the bubble and stuff like that. But KCP is going to get cooked. Um, Caruso is going to get cooked. Um, do you trust any of those guys to guard Harden? And even if you have one of those guys on Harden, who's going to get Westbrook? Sure, they have like some sort of like inside defense, which could be a deterrent for Westbrook. But he doesn't mind playmaking. He doesn't mind doing that stuff. And I think this is going to be a lot of problems, especially if they go up and down the court on this team. But on the flip side of things, who on the Rockets is going to guard Anthony Davis? Sure, you could throw, like, bodies at him. I mean, you could throw Covington. You can throw Daniel House. You can throw P.J. Tucker. But Anthony Davis is just a, one of those seven centers where you're like, man, I could just shoot the, just over you every single time. I'm just as fast as you. I'm just as strong as you. He is just that type of player. He is a top five, like, an arguably a top five player in the league for a reason. And I think he's going to have a big series in here. 
And even still, like with the Rockets, I mean, they played fantastic defense um, throughout that first round. They're going to have to replicate that somehow in this series because they need to have to deal with LeBron and um, Anthony Davis. But I think like the Lakers are going to struggle from three in this series in which the, the Rockets in return are just going to keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And I think that's going to kind of play off a lot of like their bigs on the court because they do have that like big man rotation of McGee, Dwight Howard, um, Anthony Davis. I think that they're going to not get a lot of minutes from either um, McGee or Howard because these guys they just need to have like those small guys out there defending the three ball. And I think that can work in the Rockets' favor. And I think this is why this series is going to be a lot more intense. So my prediction for this series, I have the Lakers. Yes, I have the Lakers winning. I think this is going to go to distance. I think they're going to win in seven. Um, it's going to be another heartbreaker for the Houston Rockets. But I just think that just like in the series against the Thunder, they're just going to get hot some games. And with like kind of no one to stop Harden, no one to stop Westbrook, it's gonna they're gonna have a couple of big games there. But playoff LeBron is different. Anthony Davis is like has all the confidence in the world right now. They're well rested. I think that they're gonna be able to take um to take these games. Now if the Rockets just are on fire for more more times than not, I know this sounds stupid, they're probably gonna win this. But right now I I just trust playoff LeBron until I'm proven wrong. Anthony Davis has been a monster, he's gonna continue to do so. And I think that this could be a good series for someone like Kyle Kuzma to kind of kind of take advantage of like the shot opportunities he's gonna get because I think the Rockets are gonna be um loading up a lot on Anthony Davis, hitting him with a lot of double teams. They're gonna get LeBron a lot like driving through the lane. So Kuzma's gonna have to step up, just a third person there. And hopefully they get Rondo back in the series because having another ball handler besides LeBron against this pesky Rockets defense was gonna be great. And I think like Rondo would help a lot. Maybe not in the shooting aspect, but just like in the handling aspect. But I still have the Lakers winning this. Um, I'm not going to doubt LeBron until he like proves me wrong that he's not going to um, get eliminated um, just because he's a freaking different animal in the playoffs. But yeah, I do have the Lakers winning this series. Now we're going to go on to some topics outside of the NBA. And I wasn't planning on talking about this last night, but this news came to me in the morning. Steve Nash, yes, Steve Nash, the former um, point guard for the Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks, um, the um, Los Angeles Lakers. He is he's an NBA head coach now. He is the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he signed a four-year deal with them, according to Woj. And Jacques Vaughn, there was a lot of questions to see, is he going to still be a part of the team? I mean, he got a lot out of those um, guys like late in the season, especially in the bubble. But, you know... He's staying there. He's going to be the um, head assistant, apparently. And, and another one of those point guards like with high IQ, Steve Nash, is now an NBA head coach. It's weird, though. I mean, like I, I watched Steve Nash a bunch when I was a kid. It's just kind of the same thing when Jason Kidd became a head coach. It's, but it's just like it's just weird, like seeing like um, like one of the guys you saw growing up just becoming a head coach. And I think it's going to be a really good um, addition for the team, especially for Kyrie Irving, because. Kyrie Irving, I mean, he is a great point guard in this league. He's not known as the best playmaker. And I think having your head coach be Steve Nash, I think Kyrie Irving is going to listen to him. He's going to try to learn a lot from Steve Nash. And he's going to um, take advantage of the situation. I think Steve Nash is going to um, want the ball to move around. He doesn't want the ball, you know, isolation all the time. And I think Kevin Durant likes that. I mean, that's why he succeeded so much in Golden State as well. Having a guy with that type of mentality – 
is good. And what this really kind of reminded me of is when Steve Kerr, like, inherited the um, Golden State Warriors after um, Mark Jackson, like, kind of developed them. And I think this is – I could see something like this happening with Steve Nash. I mean, you have Kevin Durant. You have um, Kyrie Irving. You have um, Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, um, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen. You have a good roster there. And you're inheriting from a guy who built up these young guys. Same thing with Mark Jackson, who built up Steph, Cody, and Jerry Mons. You have um, Kenny Atkinson getting the most out of Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, um, other guys, then Woody and stuff like that. He was able to get the most out of them. And now Steve Nash is like, okay, we know what you guys can do. We have two stars. Let's try to let's get down to business. And I think this could be like a very similar thing like that with having to Steve Kerr in the West. And I'm not saying that the, the, they're not going to be the Golden State of the East, but it's looking eerily similar to that. And I think it's going to be a nice hire. I'm glad for my guy, Steve Nash. I had a feeling he's going to be a coach one day. Seeing him on the side of this is going to be kind of weird to start off with, but I think he could do a good job here. He's not, he doesn't seem like those type of coaches that's going to like, you know, kind of like a Jim Boyle one who's going to like make you do sprints and all that. But I think he just has a great basketball mind. And having um, a guy like that as your head coach, I'd be confident in saying that um, he would be good at it. So congrats to Steve Nash on getting the job. Let's see if Brooklyn is going to make some noise next year because, you know, on paper, it's looking nice. Let's see if they're going to be able to put it together. And we're going to talk about another topic that is not within the playoffs. Actually, it kind of is because this guy just got eliminated. Donovan Mitchell. Literally the day after he got eliminated from the playoffs, the Utah Jazz was like, yep, this is our guy. This is our guy. And when free agency opens up in October, it is reported that the um, Jazz are going to automatically just give the five years $170 billion extension to Donovan Mitchell. I'm not going to go too long on this, but all I'm going to say is that Donovan Mitchell could be a superstar in this league. He reminds me eerily of Dwayne Wade, and I think that he could just be a really good player for this team going forward. And I think, like, can he be a number one guy? Yeah, I honestly think that Donovan Mitchell could be a number one guy. You could see that he could hit it from three. You could see that he can go inside, finish. He can pass the ball. And he's a good defender. He is a good defender. I know he doesn't show it as much, but he is a good defender. I think that he could be kind of the next, like this generation's Dwayne Wade, if given the right um, pieces around him. And I think like with um, seeing how good this Jazz team is, um, putting up such a big fight against one of the better offenses in the league, I think having Donovan Mitchell at your um, at your um, guard position as your leader, I'm pretty comfortable with that. So he d- definitely well deserved. And let's see what they're gonna do with the rest of the team because. I mean, do they want to run it back? I mean, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich can make a difference, but I still think they need to, like, move some things around and, you know, um, just try to get, create a better roster around him because I think that you have something special there in Donovan Mitchell. Um, Spider is going to be continue to do great, keep Gobert around anchoring that defense. Let's see what you could do with the rest of them. And for the final topic of the show, I'm going to be discussing another award winner. It feels like I'm doing this every week. But another word um, winner has been announced. Brandon Ingram wins most improved player. Um, edging out them out of bio just slightly. Um, I'm going to try to get the stats here to see um, how much he won by. He's got 326 total votes, 42 first place votes. And Bam out of bio very, very close behind him with 295 votes and um, 38 first place votes. See, so, yeah, I mean, I had Bam Adebayo winning, but I'm, like I said, I'm completely fine with Brandon Ingram. I think what kind of hurts Bam and trying to win most improved players is that it's kind of like um, 
Siakam, I mean, he won it. I mean, that's such a bad example, but he kind of got the opportunity by moving into the starting lineup. I mean, the, he did trade away Hassan Whiteside to make way for Bam, and he played really well. So, and the way that he jumped from like basically a role player to an all star, definitely deserving. But with Brandon Ingram, I mean, he kind of wasn't showing that number two overall pick potential that he was destined to be. Gets out of the situation in the Lakers, plays extremely well for the um, Pelicans, um, scoring over 23 points a game. Like, he was really good, and I'm honestly completely fine with that. Um, I think even though I had bad meta by winning, I mean, Brandon Ingram is going to be a really good player. They really need to give him the max contract to pair up with Don because I think that he is going to be a key piece to this rebuild going forward. And, I mean, the Pelicans went out pretty ugly in this bubble, but they still have a lot of promise on their team. And having Brandon Ingram there, having Zion, hopefully Ronald Brawl improves. We're going to see whether they're going to give him the extension or not because he's kind of been inconsistent. They still have, you know, Drew Holiday, if they want to keep him, use him as a trade piece. We'll have to wait and see. But they just have a nice young roster there. And Brandon Ingram, growing into the player that he is right now, I have a lot of confidence that he is going to be able to continue to grow and just be a great player from here on out. Will he, will he, I mean, he is also a first time also this year as well. So he got that as well. And I just think that he can like, just like through more um, practice, he can, you know, maybe bulk up a little bit. Um, he's definitely going to improve that three point shot. He could play good defense. He's an underrated defender. And I just think that he can be like a really good player for them going forward. And, you know, so yeah, congratulations to Brandon Ingram. Basically going from 17 points a game to 23. Um, not as big of a jump as from as Bam, but very much still deserving of his award. So, congrats, Brandon Ingram, on winning Most Improved. And this is the end of today's episode. Thank you guys for watching slash listening. Um, one more message before we get out there. Don't forget like what the um um the issues are still at hand. I know Basel's back second round. Woohoo! We still need to keep um, fighting um, racial injustice and all that. We, um, keep educating yourself, keep learning, find ways how you can imply, uh, apply these, um, what you've learned in your everyday life, and just keep um, moving forward. Remember, basketball is great and all, but we still have a bigger problem that's bigger than basketball still looming out there. So do what you can to help um, put pressure on politicians to um, change laws and all that. And hopefully we can like make this world a better place by doing so. So I just want to like, make sure that message is still they're still clear because as much as basketball is here and the NBA players know this, we still have to keep these owners accountable to hopefully be able to be um, to enact change. And we just need to continue to, um, you know, voice out these um, displeasures and all that. Obviously not by writing and all that. I don't, I don't agree with that, but still trying to get the message out there. Let's keep the message alive. But yeah, this is the end of today's episode. Thank you guys for watching. Remember YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Um, I very much appreciate it. All my podcast networks, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, Apple, all in my bio. Please check them out. And remember to follow on for updates on the podcast on TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So, yeah, thank you guys for taking out every day to, um, for watching this. I'm going to be back um, Saturday for a recap. I'm not going to be home all day Friday, so I'm not going to be able to record the recap. But, yeah, um, just keep supporting the podcast. I love all of y'all. Hope you have a very good weekend and just keep, you know, enjoy NBA basketball. But yeah, this is where I'm going to end it. Thank you guys for watching and I'll speak to you guys on Saturday. Take it easy, y'all. Peace.